Hey there, friends. I'm so excited that today on the Rosie Hour, we got two amazing guests. First up, Brittany Jordan, a beauty pageant queen, as well as a lawyer who has an amazing platform, and Kareth Lemon, a director, creative, and former VP to own. How dope is that? Everybody's dream Rose. So we sip rose. We're gonna sip rose. Rose. Sip rose. Baby girl, she don't play. Don't play. So we sip rose. Hey there, friends. It's your host, Renee J. Johnson, and you're here at the Rose Hours. And I'm here today with the most amazing bartender, Bartender Ben. Hello, everyone out there in the listening world. How are you? Hi, Renee. How are you doing? Good. I mean, we're in we're in week ninety four of quarantine, social distancing, and I don't like the word social distancing. By the way, it's kind of an awkward term. I I really don't even know where it came from. Yeah, somebody in somebody's staff meeting probably just said it like, "Oh my gosh, we're probably social distancing," but it's not social distancing. We're physically distancing, but I feel like we're socially getting closer to people. Yeah, I mean, I think the world's going to be completely different after this whole outbreak is is over, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the way we shop is going to change. The way we interact as people is going to change. Yeah, I, you're going to be a little change. more careful who you dap, who you shake hands, who probably you hug. won't even do that no more. We'll probably be like, you know, bow down <laughs> when you yeah, come to the town. <laughs> Give me them knuckles real quick. Yeah, and even that, like that, I don't trust the knuckles. And I honestly don't trust the elbows because people cough into their elbows. How come we're not talking about that? We cough in our elbow. Right. Then you want to elbow me? Nah, we're good. I mean, we got to do something. Well, and apparently if you touch soles of shoes, it's transferable by shoes. Anything. I mean, all of this is just going to be crazy in how we come through it. But we are together. As it keeps saying, we are in this together. Right. Yeah, and you know, you, you've seen a lot of um, video now where people are just like over it and they're protesting social distancing and they're fighting, you know, raging against the machine. And, and Can you know, we talk about the privileged? Because if this was minorities out here doing that mess, do you not believe all of the um, policia federales would be outside? Policia, policia. Policia. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yes. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's just interesting because that privilege is what allows them to be who they are. But enough about privilege because we don't have it. But I guess we have the privilege to be on the airwaves. And we're happy that we have all our listeners today. Yay. Yeah. So. I want to know mm, from you real quick. Uh oh. What's our rosé that we're drinking today? Because it tastes good so far. And I know that it is delicious. All right. So the brand that we're drinking is mm. Cupcake. Hey, Cupcake. Mm-hmm, girl. Cake, cake, cake. It's from Italy. Okay. It's, it's Italian. Italiano, as yes. they say. Italiano. Yes. Yeah, so the type of wine is a rosé and blush wine. Mm. You know, so it's like, ooh, it's kind of. Like, get it, girl. It's like, mm. Yeah, it's like a, mm. and Rawr. cupcake. I like it. You know, it's um, 
it has a cool little light little bite to it a little bit. Well, it's a and champagne, so yeah. it's like, oh, okay. When the light hits the ice, it twinkles and glistens. It does do that. And I love it. So shout out to Cupcake. Pew, 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 pew. Shout out. Yes. And continue, Cupcake, doing what you do and sponsor us. Yay. Gotta do that. We need that. Yes. Sponsorship. Sponsorship. Yeah. Speaking of sponsorship. Mm. Small businesses are going through a lot. I know we like segued real quick, but it's like there's a lot happening while it's not happening. Shout out to our sponsors. Yeah, there are shout out to the sponsors. And there's there there's small business. Some well, some of them are small businesses, but Mm -hmm. there's so much happening. And like the other day, I read about Ruth Chris um, getting ten no twenty million dollars for SBA loan slash forbearance grant that was meant for small business owners. And I'm kind of like in my feelings about it because they had to close the whole process and application because they ran out of money because people like Ruth Chris got it. Mm. Not fair. Mm. So like you're a small business owner, bartender Ben. So outside of the bar, (laughs) you have some businesses and like, how does that make you feel like people like Ruth Chris or people, well, company organizations and companies are people. So by the tax code, but how does that make you feel overall? Um, at this point, it's kind of like status quo. Yeah. It's kind of like what's expected. You're expected to, the, the corporations to, you know. To win. To, to, to pull a move, you know. Win, to, 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 win, to pull win, it out. win, win. Right. So, I mean, you know, and as entrepreneurs, small business owners, opportunity creators and exploiters, I have never really looked to the SBA. I know back in the day, I, I tried to go to the SBA for a loan or to get an understanding of what I need to do as a business owner. And it wasn't really an inviting uh, environment for me. Um, I didn't get the assistant I was looking for. Mm. So <clears throat> the way I would have to create business was different from how other small business owners in that same realm would, would, yeah. would create. So, um, you know, we had to get creative. You, you know, where you can't get a commercial loan, you, you can get a mortgage. You know, you can convert your house into a, a, a place of business. But I would you know? never, ever, ever suggest that. Because I mean, you know why? It, and, and, and to your point, like, I, it's not about suggesting it. It's just like what your options are. Because mm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I exhaust I, I I own a recording studio. Well, I love having it in the house, but as a, a place of business, like, I wouldn't. That's not my first preference. I would want to have a commercial space like every other studio owner. You know what I mean? Um, right. But it's just that path to get in there was 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 difficult for me, you know, and it, it, it wasn't made easy. Um, well, and like you're a veteran as well, right? Right. How many years did you serve? Uh, eight years. Wow. So I bet people did not know that bartender Ben is a vet. So. Yes. Marine Corps, Semper Fi. Yay. We All appreciate day. your service. We appreciate you for appreciating. <laughs> I feel like it's like an awkward moment military people have. They were like, oh, thank you for your service. And y'all are like. Yeah, it's like that, uh, that ready, meme yeah. where like Diddy's like staring at the light skinned dude. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like they thank you. And you're like, oh, well, thank you. And it's like. I didn't yeah. do that, but thank you. And they're like, well, thank you for thanking me. Okay, well, all just, right. He had this weird standoff. Yeah, but like <laughs> to come back, like. You know, they're supposed to be VA loans 
um, for small business owners and like SBA is supposed to have like a special department for small business owners that are vets. Like even accessing that was difficult. I ain't get it. <laughs> I guess. I don't got it. <laughs> I guess, I guess that. I don't have it. <laughs> I guess that's kind of like telling me the answer to yeah, the question. I ain't never get it. Yeah. Well, you know, for women and minorities, it's so hard to get financing, let alone a loan and like support from family and friends and believe in your entrepreneurship dream. So it's so important that we support our small businesses where they're of color and women. And our guests today are entrepreneurs. Love them. Yeah. So we have Brittany Jordan. Hey, girl. Um, hey. hey, girl, hey. <laughs> B-Mad is her nickname. Mm. Um, when the mixtape dropping. Right. B-Mad. And she is down. a rapper. Remember, she she let us listen to her mixtape that she did for her birthday. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah. B-Mad. Um, she's an entrepreneur and she actually competed in Miss Beauty Pageants. Like, not Miss It. Yeah, Miss It's. Like, that's the married, right? Miss It's. Yeah, she she competed at the Married Women's Beauty Pageants, and she had a platform which she's also used for her business that she's created with helping people. And I mean, she's also an attorney, so she she does her thing, right? And then we have Kareth Lemon, pew 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 pew, to Kareth because she is a small business director and a woman owned business, and. Her plight to become a business owner was very difficult as well. Boo. You have a, like a sad sound over there? Okay. That's kind of sad. I mean, it's like... It was, there was no one there. No one provided her the assistance she needed as a woman small business owner. Sad. She got it out the mood. Right. And like she, she also worked back. for Oprah. Like that's pretty cool. She actually went to Paris um, and like took some time away and came back and was like thriving. Like out of nowhere. Like her story is super fetch. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, let's start our first interview with Brittany Jordan. Pew, pew. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rose Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Renee J. Johnson. And today I'm here with one of the most amazing attorneys who is so innovative, smart, entrepreneurial, also super beautiful and just inside and out all around a great American queen. The most amazing Brittany Jordan. Wow. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> I need to take you with me everywhere I go. Listen, I could be your hype man, hype woman, that is. Like, yes, here she comes, people. Brittany. I love it. Yes. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I love it. And I love you, Renee. Oh, I just remember when we first met working in the DC Council, um, I was like, oh, she's smart. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, try. I try. You ain't try, girl. You were just being you. Just I don't want to let Howard down twice. <laughs> <laughs> the real H.U. is what I'm learning that that's what it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, welcome again to the Rosie Hour podcast. We are so excited that you're here with us today. And, you know, we just want to let the listeners know, tell us more about the uh, most amazing Brittany Jordan. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. I'm so excited to be here. And I just, I've, I feel so honored to be a part of the Rosé Hour. Um, yes. Especially during these trying times that we're in. Everybody needs to have a little sip of Rosé to just kind of relax and yeah (laughs) get it get over the day yes yes we don't Um, even know what day it is it's just day it's a day it's a day a day to slay as my favorite favorite peloton instructor robin um says she's like i don't even know what today is i just know that it's a day to slay (laughs) i'm gonna need to know more information about this peloton but yes yes more about you Yes, about me. Well, part of me is that I love to cycle. I love to spin. Um, so I'm always on my Peloton bike doing that, breaking a sweat, um, trying to stay fit, especially since we're all in quarantine. But um, but aside from that, I'm originally from the South. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, um, a little suburb outside of Dallas called Flower Mound. Sounds real hood and gangster. It know. did. I was like, yeah, um, it's, it's like, like Orange <laughs> Mount, uh, you know, Tennessee. Like, is it really like where rappers come from? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, all the rappers. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, you know, a little small town. It, it, it is exactly the way it sounds. Um, and so I um, came to D.C. to go to Howard University, the real H.U. You know, that's what, y- um, what, that's what y'all say. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, so I I did, I went to Howard. Um, I was a political science major and I was really involved in student government um, at Howard and I was an AKA. Shout out to Alpha Chapter, um, AKA at Howard. And, um, and then after undergrad, I went to Howard Law School because I just can't go to any other school except for Howard. <laughs> It's so nice. You got to do it twice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, a double alum, as they say. Um, and I just love my school. I love Howard. Don't ever say anything bad about Howard when I'm around because that never goes well for anyone. <laughs> Drama will um, ensue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I went to Howard Law. I was involved in student government there. I was a graduate student representative. Um And we also, one cool thing about law school is that um, I helped to restart the the women's law um, organization. Oh, cool. um, Which was really cool because they they had um, a women in the law organization um, before, but it had just kind of went away and was defunct. And so uh, myself and a a group of um, some other young ladies um, helped to revive it and bring it back. And, you know, we did a lot of different programs and celebrated Women's History Month and just wanted to keep the women of Howard engaged um, and seen and heard. Um, So that was really fun. And then after law school, um, I got involved in politics. And that's kind of where we met at the D.C. Council. Yes, Um, yes, yes. 
And that was my life. Politics was life for a really long time. Um, really, the majority of my twenties <laughs> was um, spent on um, on politics in D.C. specifically specifically local um, D.C. politics, which is like a whole. That's a different animal, people. <laughs> it's a whole animal in life, which was it was super cool to me because. Um, coming from an area like Flower Mound, um, which um, there weren't very many people of color, and then being involved in a local government that was, at the time, still majority people of color was just amazing for me. And that really solidified me staying here in the district and just wanting to be a part of that um, long term. And so... Um, so I stayed. I, I I did a little bit of healthcare law after my time at the council, and um, now I work in affordable housing, which I love. Um, that's really one of my passions is um, affordable housing, uh, making sure that people of all incomes um, have a place to live in D.C. and have safe um, housing. And so that's what I do now. And um, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's not all about you because Brittany is someone that does something every day. Like you can go to her social media and it's like, I just learned 10 new things because Brittany is doing them all. (laughs) All the 10 things I learned, Brittany did. Um, One thing that I know you did that I just was like, "Ah," was you did pageants too. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the thing about pageants, so in high school, I was um, like a competitive dancer and I was um, on my high school's dance team and that was like my whole life. But I always loved pageants. Like I always loved watching Miss USA, Miss America. Um, me and my mom would watch it with my grandmother and we would always just be so excited for the women of color because, you know, what, I don't want to give away my age, but, you know. I mean, you know, people, (laughs) people, you know, back then. Yeah, like back then, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you weren't seeing this Black Girl Magic um, takeover of pageantry, you know, that you're seeing today. I mean, there were there were sprinkles, you know. There was yeah, like we have our Kenya Moores of the world. Yeah, you have your Kenya Moore. Um, and, and Vanessa Williams. Yes, Vanessa Williams. All of those, you know, 90s icon pageant girls. But, you know, that was really an anomaly at, at that time. You most You certainly didn't really have the trifecta of pageantry, women being all women of color. So we would just get really excited to watch and see, you know, the, um, the women of color who were moving, you know, who were um, placing and and winning. And so um, I just always loved pageantry, but I was just so focused on some other things. I just never really got to be involved in pageantry. So fast forward, um, to a couple of years ago when I realized that, um, so for, for people who don't know, for the Miss America, Miss USA, for a lot of those, you know, top um, pageants, you, there's like an age cutoff um, that's like, you know, I don't really know what it is, but I know that it's, you know. Pretty low, like 20 pretty something. Pretty low, like in your 20s. <laughs> like early 20s. 20s you know, like, <laughs> 
they cut off at like 28 or 25 or something like that. Well, because one of the biggest prizes is like college scholarships. So it's like, eh, you got to be just getting started. (laughs) Exactly. So they have the age cutoff. And then on top of the age cutoff, they have um, a lot of them have rules where you can't have children. Um, You can't have had children or been married. Yeah. I was really cut. I was cut out all of those. <laughs> right. Because you were you are queen of the house and of your child and your yeah, man. So I, I can't be doing the, the young girl pageants anymore. Um, so uh, so I actually did some research and then they actually had a Bravo show about it a few years back about Mrs. Pageants. Ooh. And so I kind of remember vaguely, I vaguely remember watching something about Mrs. Pageants. And so I just started Googling and researching about these Mrs. Pageants and pageants for women who are not in their 20s. And so I found this wonderful world of Mrs. Pageantry. And it's, it is a whole pageant subculture, um, the Mrs. Pageants. I mean, it's, it's serious. These women... You think, oh, it's Mrs., you know, they're just going to be, you know, just. They're not going to compete like by. that hard. Like, they're going to just be nice about it. Right. No, they they are in it to win it. They are serious about pageantry. It is a serious matter, as they say in my sorority. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, you know, your training. I mean, I have never trained for anything. Like, I, I mean, I felt like I was a real athlete and becoming, you know, a real athlete, you know, having these personal trainers and food prep and um, just being very methodic about every single piece of the part of the, the interview, the swimsuit, the evening gown. It was like a very serious, you know, thought process for every single little detail. Um, your hair, how you're going to part your hair, what you're going to say in the interview. So. Um, but it was, it's, it's, uh, I did two pageants and it was an amazing experience. Um, they, they really kind of pull you out of your shell and um, it, it exposed me to a part of myself that I, you know, did, I did a lot of speaking um, and acting and dance in my younger years and it kind of, um, it, it brought that back to the surface. Oh, yes. Um, and, and so, even though I, you know, was involved in politics and whatnot, um, you know, in early in my career, it still really wasn't you, you know, out there speaking and engaging with, with the constituents. It was your, um, your member, council member. Right. Um, but, but this was the pageant experience um, really brought me back out of my shell and out of the background and back into the foreground, um, which I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and and you um, and you felt like you were like reliving your high school days and like competitions again. Yeah, yeah, it, it totally brought back all of those feelings of competition and. Um, and just, um, you know, being your best self and um, the stage. Oh, my gosh. I the, the first pageant that I did, I was really nervous. Um, but once I got out there, it was like they had to, like, drag me off the stage. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm back on the stage. I thought I was going to be so nervous, but I'm out here hamming it up. Like, and it's funny because people... 
you know, they, it's kind of like, I always understood because, you know, people sometimes talk about like um, Janet Jackson and Beyonce, like if you, if you, you know, watch their documentaries or hear them speak about themselves, they always say like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, they have personality, of course, but their on stage personality is completely different than their natural, their natural. Yeah. You know, when you hear Beyonce just talking in an interview, she's just very, you know, very Texas, <laughs> very Texas, very um, personable, just kind of like, you know, this is me. But like on stage, she is Sasha Fierce and same thing mm-hmm. with Janet Jackson. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I am people. You're like Mariah Carey, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, (laughs) all in one. (laughs) But, I mean, I can understand that because I'm kind of the same way where I, you know, I'm not the person who's going to be the loudest in the room, per se, just in a a setting. You know, I, I try to make my presence be known and be professional, and I do have confidence, but... I'm not, you know, going to be yelling at the top of my lungs and I'm not the loudest person in the room, per se. However, comma, (laughs) when I am on stage, I am definitely one of the loudest people. (laughs) So what is your stage name? My stage name? What's my stage name? Uh, You know what? My stage name is B-Mad. That's the stage. I thought B-Mad was the rapper. See, people, she has so many traits. <laughs> B-Mad is the rapper, but that's the stage. That's okay, because she that's a performing, person. yeah. That's a performing person. For, you know, people who don't know me, Brittany, my name is Brittany, and my maiden name was Madison. So um, I kind of got that nickname in law school. Um, people would just kind of call me B-Mad, and it just kind of stuck. Um, so on Instagram, you can find me at Be Mad, and you know that's typically my my name for stuff. But it definitely has a different persona than Brittany Jordan. Yeah, the lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but Be Mad Jay. We talked about that recently. <laughs> it's like a question. <laughs> be Mad Jay. Like you should be right. mad. <laughs> right. Be mad. So when you were doing this pageant life, um, you had a platform. Yes. Do you mind talking about what you were standing for? The only reason I know this, I did one pageant with my best friend back home in Waukegan, Illinois. And oh my God. Girl, no. (laughs) That is not my life. That was not my life. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, no. (laughs) I love it. Maybe we need to maybe we need to get you back into the pageant world. Mm, Let me tell you, Mm. mm, no. No, but what was your platform? Because I know you you have a lot of things that you connect with. And so that platform is sort of like the catapult of like what you stand for and like why people should support and all of these things. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So my platform was Youth Power. And Power stands for um, Youth Political and Civic Engagement, Working to Empower Youth to Run for Office. So Mm. my platform was centered on just youth civic engagement and civic involvement and, um, you know, teaching leadership to young people, specifically, you know, preteens and teenagers. And so that's really what I focused on for those two years. I spoke to different um, 
groups and organizations on this topic and subject matter. And what was really cool is kind of seeing how the young people kind of transform from, you know, in the beginning when you talk about being a, a leader, being a political leader, and they kind of look up to these people who, you know, they don't necessarily see themselves in. But after you kind of break it down and break down the different concepts and break down leadership to a way that they can really understand it and connect with it. These kids were writing like hip hop songs about leadership. Yes. They were, you know, talking about their aspirations and just on a basic level, um, just getting them to understand that their vote matters and that their vote counts. And, you know, people keep saying it, you know, Angela Rye and, um, you know, Van Jones and some of my favorite woke um, you know, political leaders always say, if your vote didn't matter, if your vote didn't count, then why are they trying to take your vote away? Why are they trying mm-hmm. to suppress your vote um, if it doesn't matter? So just on a basic level, that was just really important um, and just so fulfilling to see. And so I want to, um, you know, continue um, to be engaged and continue to work with young people and do seminars after after we can go back outside. Right. Uh, when outside opens up again. <laughs> when outside opens up again, I really um, want to have some um, seminars, like full day seminars and bring in um, different political leaders. Um, maybe you. <laughs> as a political, a DC political inside, insider. Um, and just tap into my network to help build these young people up and help create our next generation. No, that's amazing. And like, we definitely have to talk with these younger, uh, I like to call them young adults now because like teenagers, they are not. They live differently than what we did as teenagers. Um, They got like bank cards and everything. Like, it's really weird. Um, and, And the thing about it is they are actually impacted even more so by laws that are created like yeah we had like the reagan years and like the bush years and the clinton years but those were quite different than what we're seeing in each of those even progress um and how it impacted young people and now more than ever i mean the dreamers like that whole situation and like getting involved and why they should be involved um kids in their community because they want more in school because they actually want to have a chance at a better life than what they have or what they're presented so what you're doing is so, so, so valuable and important. Thank you for this work. Well, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's a blessing to be able to, to do it. And, um, you know, like I said, hopefully we can continue the work and continue to engage these youth as, you know, as we kind of come out of this COVID situation. So just stay tuned for that. And, um, Hopefully we can we can um, get these seminars started soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'm definitely down to help. Whatever you need, I'm here for. Because um, awesome. I believe in the mission and the work you do. So I heard that you're trying to also do some other things too. Yes. Yeah, so the, the youth political engagement. Um, and then also one little piece that I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I don't forget. I appreciate you too, Renee, for supporting and always supporting my pageant experiences. Um, the thing about pageants that people also don't realize 
is that it is very, very expensive. Uh, yes. And so and <laughs> you have to raise, I mean, I had to, you know, get into this fundraising thing and I, I hate it. I hated that part of mm-hmm. it. But it's funny how the things that you hate, you are the best at. Excel, you sometimes excel in those things because I, I won the sponsorship award two years in a row yes. um, from okay. my pew, fundraising pew. abilities. And thank you, Renee, you were a part of that. So, um, so I really appreciate you for that. Um, but yes, yeah, so other ventures are, I am also passionate about the beauty industry. Um, Everybody knows that I love makeup, I love beauty, and I am that person who, in the middle of the quarantine, will put on a full face. Yes. Um, you had one go. on the other night, like last night. <laughs> <laughs> I did pick that up. I was like, wait, I'm in a scarf. And I did. That was mainly because we took, we did an Easter fo- photo shoot, and I just kept it on. But, <laughs> but Y'all, yes. we, okay, wait, we have to give a little disclaimer. So we had a insecure premiere season four party on zoom last night us and some girls in a group chat were in and like not only you but Deidre yeah shout out to Deidre she was fully made up too I was like it's 10 o'clock p.m Eastern standard time y'all um I'm like in my pajamas my scarf is on I have my night glasses on and I was like oh okay I'll be scarfed up and pajamaed out but I was like, wait, no, I got, I kind of come with my looks now. Now this is a competition now. <laughs> but, but yes, I love, you know, I love doing a, a little light beat. Um, and so that is one of my passions, like I said, and I am, um, am working on a, um, a new project where we just kind of help professional women tap into that a little bit more for women who want who want it you know I'm not forcing anything on anybody look natural beauty is beautiful and you know you certainly don't have to put on a full face of makeup to be a professional boss out here however if you would like to (laughs) right (laughs) but in the event that you do (laughs) um then yes I would love to help um any woman who just wants to add a little pop um to her professional image. I'm here for this because let me tell you, <laughs> I'm here for this pop. And just like, I feel like, it, it, and I, I don't want to say it's just like in the political industry, like in every industry, I feel like now it's like you have to stand out am- among the crowd, right? Yeah. And having a polished look, what looks right for you um, yeah. is so important. And I mean, you got to dress for the job you want. So if you come in looking like you take out the garbage, then you probably yeah. should be in that industry. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very important and it, it gives you a confidence. Um, and I mean, you already have to have the confidence within, but it's, you just, you see a difference in just kind of how you carry yourself. And, you know, when you have the extra confidence, when you know that your eyebrows look good, yes. your lashes are popping. Yes. You just have a, a little different swagger about yourself. Um, yeah, when well, you don't got so, a fro during quarantine. Yes. <laughs> hair comb. Yes. I know what you're and talking about. it's important. About. <laughs> like, especially, and I've heard, it's funny, like, I've heard so many stories from my friends, not really stories, but just comments 
from my friends about, oh my gosh, you know, I cannot do my lashes, you know, I cannot do my hair. And I mean, it's very important because you just never know. I mean, we're we're having to do all these video chats and video conferences. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing all these pictures of celebrities with like cracked nails and like <laughs> everybody's looking middle school right now (laughs) yeah and so it's like you know thank god I mean I grew up doing things to myself (laughs) since I was like 15 and getting in trouble for it but now I'm glad because I I can do my own makeup I can do my own hair when I want to it's just a matter of if I'm you know in the spirit to do so in the spirit to do it so just little well, one thing you you definitely pointed out was like during this quarantine, like the ability to do your own, right? Like yeah. I'm thankful my nails have not fallen off, but mm, we're on the cusp. We're also like, I was in a scarf last night because I don't know how to do my hair, but like the ability to do those things are so important. You just <laughs> never know. And I think now more than ever, learning how to do so is so important because we don't know when we're coming out, people. And yeah. It sounds like your your company would also be able to help people learn how to do this themselves for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not, you know, I I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, you see, you get intimidated. I even get intimidated. Someone who I feel very comfortable doing my makeup and my hair and stuff. But sometimes when I watch these YouTube tutorials and videos, I get really overwhelmed because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much makeup. This is, you know, it's caked on, girl. (laughs) Yeah, like people are doing like a rainbow, like drawing on their. (laughs) You got every color of the spectrum on your eyebrow. Doing, you know, and that's cool. That's cool for what they're trying to do. Um, But what I'm talking about is something that's a little bit more practical. It's not technical because I'm not a technically trained makeup artist. I grew up practicing on my own face and, you know, I've, you know, I I wasn't formally trained in it. And so I think sometimes you have to kind of come from that perspective because sometimes these tutorials are just way too technical Mm -hmm. and it's really, they're not practical and they're not practical and it gets just really intimidating. So um, I just really want to, on a very basic level, just give women just practical tips that they can kind of pull themselves together. You can kind of pick and choose what you want to, you know, focus on because you don't have to focus on everything. Um, You may be more about style, like makeup. I mean, I have friends who have very sensitive skin and they really can't do a lot with foundation and, you know, powder Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so, you know, it's not just about makeup. It's about your whole look and like, styling so maybe for that for that woman it's more about the style and pulling together your look um yeah and, and so you you don't have to do the whole thing you just you know sometimes it's just a little something that can kind of freshen freshen up your appearance and your look yeah and i feel like we all need to do that <coughs> myself included so i'm your first customer uh- <laughs> But like, no, in life, we all need to just, you know, spice it up a little bit and, you know, have a little change. Change is good, but it's difficult and it's hard, you know, but like having the ability to do so is so amazing. And when you come into terms of like, hey, if I just did this versus that, 
you know, the difference it really could make. Definitely. Definitely. So that's something that, um, that will be coming soon. Um, so please stay tuned for that. I'm really, really excited. Um, yeah. Okay. So I asked everybody this question and I pretty sure, you know, where I'm going with this. What is your favorite drink? Because mine, of course, is clearly rosé. As you know, for many times we've been drinking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mm, okay, so I just love a good root champagne. Ooh. I love rosé too. I love a rosé. Um, I just had some yesterday to celebrate um, Easter. <laughs> <laughs> celebrate Christ with rosé. Celebrate Christ, yes. Um, I broke open a little rosé. But um, but yes, I mean, generally speaking, like my go-to is just a nice, really good brute champagne. That That's my go-to. I will never forget last, was it, no, it was the year before last, 2018, when we went to the W here in D.C. And it was mm-hmm. supposed to be for like a Vuve Cliot event. And it was just so overwhelming. And we were like, we wanted the champagne. But then we oh remembered <laughs> just yes. down the street, they have $20 bottles of champagne. <laughs> and we proceeded to drink about 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't enough because we went somewhere else after that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. <sighs> those were the days when the outside was open. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Those were the good old days. But we, yes. We love our rosé and champagne and we always have so much fun. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, Brittany, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. You are always a, a light in a dark, stormy, cloudy day. We appreciate you Aww. so much. How can people stay in touch with you? I know you gave your Instagram earlier, but like if people wanted to know more about, you know, the things you're doing and support, how can they find you? Yes, so um, I have two Instagrams. I have um, at underscore um be mad underscore and um i also have at Brittany jordan esq which is my um kind of like my brand um instagram yes. so you can definitely find me on any of those platforms and she's taking donations for her nonprofit. so <laughs> yes feel yes. free we will start the gofundme page soon Stay tuned. Yes. I would love that. I would love that. It's for a very worthy cause. Um, yes. Well, you know. we thank you so much, Brittany, and all you do and all your endeavors. Um, I'm not sure if you have a drink in your hand. I, I do, of course. Uh, I do. Yay! I do. <laughs> this is why I love friends. Um, I just want to toast it up. Sip, sip, hooray. And thank you for being on the show today. Yay. Cheers. Thank you so much, Renee. I love you. Oh, love you too. New York. Wow, Brittany! Pew, 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 pew! Thanks for sharing all of your stories and letting us know what you're working on next. I am so excited because I can't wait to use your services. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to listen to the interview we did with Kareth Lemon. She's a former VP to own studios and is a director. Pew, 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 pew. Okay. 
It's Renee at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today I am so, 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 so honored that this woman, she's so incredible, is on our show and talking to us because not only is she a director, not only is she a creator, and not only is she an entrepreneur, she is the most amazing ray of sunlight, a flower that blossoms in the most darkest area to illuminate a warm and beautiful day. The amazing, the none other than Karis Lemon. Thank you. Wow, I'm glowing over here with all those compliments. Yeah, well, I mean, they're real because you, my queen, are everything. I am just uh, so happy to know you. (laughs) Oh, I feel the same. The feeling is mutual. Oh, oh, thanks. Well, Karis, would love for you to tell uh, a little bit about yourself so our listeners know who you are because, like, when they hear your background and, like, your story of you, they're going to be like, oh my God, how do, how do I know you? How can I get to know you too? <laughs> For sure. Well, I am a commercial and film director and I own my own production company, Karis Lemon Productions. Um, and I have had a long and windy path to get to where <laughs> I, I am today. When young people asked me about how I came to own my own production company and directing commercials and films, I often say that I've done every job under the communication umbrella. Um, I grew up doing a really wonky sport that's very little known here in the United States called equestrian vaulting. It's gymnastics on horses. Yes, real ones. Um, Oh, wow. There are literally only 500 people in the U.S. that do this, and there's like 50,000 in Germany. Uh, (laughs) It is 100% the poor man's horse sport. I never owned my own horse. I got into the sport because we couldn't afford to put me into very traditional riding lessons. Uh, But it really shaped the way that I approach life, the way I approach creative projects, the way I approach obstacles. Um, It it taught me everything from being an entrepreneur, being a self-starter, because there weren't very many other people that did this sport, Um, how to manage my time because it wasn't a collegiate sport. So while I was in college, I was um, often traveling abroad to go to competitions. I was working side jobs to figure out how to pay for those competitions and my lesson fees and my costumes and all the wow. things. So when I finished that four, I really, I was like on the seven-year college plan because I was <laughs> busy uh, trying to win the world championship, um, which I came in second always, which Ooh. was really irritating. But second's <laughs> the best. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, second in the world, I guess, is nothing to sneeze at, but it probably tells you a lot about who I am that it just is like yeah. a thing that will never escape me. Like, I mean, I'm a true fan of uh, Top Gun when they say there's no points for second place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very good quote, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so anyway, so when I was done, like I, I knew going into my last year, it would be my last year of the sport. And I knew that I needed to focus on my school and moving on to find a career, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And 
I was studying a very general communications degree at UC Berkeley in California, which is where I grew up. And one of the young women who I used to coach in the sport, her mom owned a PR firm. And she told me that even though my college didn't require a internship, that she was going to require me to do one at her firm. So oh, wow. I had an internship with her, which was amazing. And, um, you know, looking back in the rearview mirror, you often notice trends, which you, of course, can't see along the way. But throughout my life, I've been so blessed to have amazing women who have mentored me, who have really been you know, examples that I could look and see and try to model myself after. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting with my mother, who is just ridiculously creative. There isn't any creative thing that she can't do. She's a talented painter and sketch artist and photographer and uh, loves African dance and like travels all over the world. And so that, you know, that's who I I grew up being around. My dad, of course, is ex-military. And so I always say I'm like a very organized, creative person. Oh my God, Um, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So um, doing this internship, I was like, okay, I see this woman. She owns her own business. That's amazing. I like PR. This seems fun. It's very social. So I'll do PR. So I graduated college and looked for a PR job and ended up at an ad agency in San Francisco. It's right when the very first dot-com bubble burst. So it was not a good time to have a job in the Bay Area. Mm. Um, But I was working for a female CEO of this ad agency. And at that time, there were literally no female CEOs. And I was her assistant as you, you know, that's your first job out of college. That's what you do. And she, I was so lucky, but she said to me, look around this agency talk to everybody that's here and see what direction you want to go because I can see you're, you're not going to be an assistant forever and I don't want you to be. And so I ended up working on a lot of new business projects, which really taught me the business side of creative advertising and how to formulate a pitch and how to look at a, a brand's strategy, look at their goals and objectives, and then build the creative around that. So I became really interested in strategic planning And kind of thought that was the avenue I was going to go down. But I really hated San Francisco. And I happened to take a trip to New York. I'd never been there before and like literally fell in love. It just was like, I'm moving here. Went back to San Francisco, worked my tail off for a couple months and saved a bunch of of money up and drove to New York and moved there. I didn't know anybody. Um, My boss cried when I told her that I was leaving, but she set me up with every one of her agency friends in New York for informational interviews. And I, you know, in between job interviews and informationals, I went on over 70 interviews. Wow. And along the way, I just started interviewing the people I was talking to to figure out what I did and didn't want to do. And, you know, I ended up taking a pay the bills job at L'Oreal for two of their luxury brands, Shuamora and Peels. And I really loved learning about those brands. And I had an amazing boss who let me work on a lot of the promotions and a lot of the events. And so that's where I sort of started to get a little bit of a taste for like production. Um, But I knew beauty wasn't my thing. I mean, I barely put on makeup. (laughs) But like you also don't need it, but that's another story. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Like if I'm dressed up, I have red lips. That's that's how far I go. (laughs) And that's a statement piece. I get it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, So when I... um, when I was not really feeling total job satisfaction uh, in the beauty world, what I ended up doing was I was kind of moonlighting at night doing club promotions and stuff in New York. 
And I met these guys that were trying to launch a, a hip hop label and they needed a publicist. And so I told them that I was a publicist because I knew I could figure it out. And so I was helping them pro bono uh, to do an album release party and, and try to get their artists some, you know, some publicity here and there. And I was just networking my butt off. And along the way, I met some people at CBS Radio. And they were like, is this what you do? And I was like, well, actually, no, I work at L'Oreal, but this is what I do at night. And they're like, well, you need to work <laughs> You need to come work for us. We're starting a new, in, you know, internal marketing department that's going to... Um, work on our 800 radio stations, which are all local stations, but we're going to try to figure out how to package them and sell them nationally and do these huge promotions. And that, and they were like, but the group hasn't started yet. So call us every Friday and we promise we'll bring you in for an interview. And so I called probably eight Fridays in a row and wow. just left messages. Hey, hey, it's me again. Uh, really interested in coming in for an interview when you guys set those up and would love to be a part of the team, blah, blah, blah. And finally they had the interviews and they brought me in and, I had very high hopes that I would get a manager job and kind of be moving up the ranks. And um, the only position that they had open was kind of an assistant slash coordinator. But once again, was working for this amazing woman who's still a mentor of mine today. Uh, mm-hmm. And she said to me, if you can figure out how to get the assistant stuff dialed in, so it's like takes up a very little amount of your time, then we will give you a ton of coordinator work. You'll be able to get hands-on experience producing national events and she was so true to her word and any project that I pitched with her if it sold to a client she let me do all of the production to bring it to life so I think I barely worked there a year and I was we did this huge flyaway contest to promote um, the very first uh, video game awards that Psych TV did oh like the gamers thing yeah. Oh my God. It was the very first one. They did it in Las Vegas. We got POD, this says what year it was, to do a <laughs> concert for all of these winners that were flying from around the country. We flew 500 people in Las Vegas. Wow. I booked every one of their airline tickets myself. I produced the whole concert myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I really, you know, as much as I appreciate my education that I got from UC Berkeley, I'm a student of life. Like every skill <laughs> I have now, I learned on the job. And I just really truly believe in rolling up your sleeves, figuring it out and asking questions when you don't know. I think that there's a lot to be said for admitting what you do and don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think people trust you more when you do admit that you don't know something and they're willing to kind of handhold you and walk you through it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, so from there, like I left my time at radio, I worked on some amazing projects trying to reinvent the platform so that young women would use it. And I uh, really became intrigued with television. So from there, I networked my way over to uh, the Nickelodeon side of Viacom and worked on one of their teen girl channels called The End, where I produced some really amazing branded content for clients like Tampax and um like General Mills and really just big Fortune 500 companies. I figured out how to integrate their products into show, existing shows that we had on the network. Oh, wow. And from there, um, that boss that hired me at CBS Radio had moved up the ranks at Viacom and was now an executive uh, inside of MTV Games, who was producing Rock Band and Dance Central, the video games. Yeah. And she asked me if I would come join her there and try to figure out how to put brands into video games. What? So like, 
all the while I'm doing all of this, like I, I'm sort of navigating my way closer and closer to where I'm doing production all the time. But there was still a very big element of what I did was marketing. Mm-hmm. And I had a marketing title. And so I would go and have conversations with HR all the time and say, I really want to produce. I think I'm a producer. And so how can I make that transition? And literally every person I ever talked to said, you're really good at your job. Just keep doing your job. What? And so I made my way all the way up to almost being a vice president. And I was so unhappy. I did not like living in New York anymore. I really didn't like my job. They were asking me to sell advertising. And it finally got to the point where I just knew that I had to take my own leap and nobody was going to just give me the job that I wanted. So uh, this is your favorite part of my story where I quit my job (laughs) and I quit my relationship and I quit New York and I uh, moved to France. Wait, we have to insert (laughs) a magical noise there. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up doing all the competitions that I did, I always felt most at home in France. And when I kind of didn't really know what I was going to do next, um, I just felt like it was the thing that I always wish I had done, which was spend more time there. And so I decided I was going to spend six months in Paris and kind of figure out what, what my next steps were going to be, what I truly wanted to do with my career and just take that time. I, not everybody can make that leap. I totally get that. I had really religiously been saving up all my money in New York because I thought I was going to move out to LA and make a big leap and buy a house or something. Um, so instead, yeah. I spent all that money on an apartment <laughs> in Paris. <laughs> I mean, but the life <laughs> experience. Rose. Yeah. A lot of rosé. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll talk about that in a minute, too. <laughs> totally. Um, Yeah, so during that time, I just really, um, I did everything I could to figure out what my next steps were. So before I left for Paris, I volunteered at the Sundance Film Festival. I figured that would be a great place to network. I knew for sure I was very interested in film. And I met a ton of people there. A lot of them were going to be at the Cannes Film Festival when I was living in Paris. So I went down to Cannes and I volunteered for one of the publicists that I'd met at Sundance. And he had a lot of clients there. And he and I formed like a really tremendous bond. I helped him with his publicity business, kind of inserting social media um, uh, activations for his clients. That was something he wasn't offering. And he in turn was introducing me to other producers as an associate producer and somebody that could, you know, they could hire onto their film projects and I could do a number of jobs on set. So while I was in Paris, he introduced me to a a lovely producer uh, who's based in New Mexico. And she was about to produce her first feature film. And after talking to her several times on Skype, I convinced her to hire me on to her film as an associate producer. And I would handle all of the publicity on set, um, do all the unit publicist jobs, do all the social media and grow the, grow their fan following during production. Wow. And uh, like literally just get to be part of the film crew, which was so amazing. So I went straight from Paris to New Mexico produced on my first feature, which was a Latino action film called Lazy Out. Uh, to this day, it is one of the most special experiences I've ever had working on location. You just really become like a family very quickly. And 
almost every person in that cast and crew were still in touch. Oh, uh, just such a beautiful. First of all, New Mexico is magical. Okay, and wait, what, like par- magic what part of New Mexico there. were you in? <laughs> we were, um, we were just outside of Santa Fe, in um, the Española Valley. Oh, okay. And I was. Um, this is one of those like universe just delivering what you need. Like I was going to go there, but they didn't have housing for me. So I had to figure out where I was going to live. And all I could imagine in my head was that I was going to end up living in some sort of like breaking bad, like renting a room <laughs> from sort of breaking bad situation. Oh my God. So I was a little sketched out. And, um, and at the last minute, um, one of my mom's dear, dear friends, um, mentioned that they had a house in Santa Fe that, that is like their second home. And so they were like, oh, you could just stay there. Oh. And they let me pay for, in giant air quotes, a room, which was like nothing. <laughs> they basically gave me their gorgeous home in Santa Fe for six weeks while I did this movie. It was so amazing. Oh, wow. The universe so provides. Fun. I know, right? So from there, I started just freelance producing. I did commercials and music videos, and I did another feature film once I got back to LA, a romantic comedy called It's Not You, It's Me. Also very fun, but totally different experience than like living on location. And after about a year and a half of that, um, I worked on one music video project where the director was a conceptual artist and he was doing this kind of on the side. I knew that he had a day job, but we didn't talk about that very much. And then at the end of the project, he said, well, actually I'm the head of digital at the Oprah Winfrey Network. And I think I need you to come help me figure out what we're going to do with her video platform. So I was like, Faith, sure. You just slid that in there. You just kind of slid that story in. <laughs> you know, because Renee, that's how it happened in my life. It's just like, I wasn't, just looking that in there. Job. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't looking for a full-time job. I was really happy. I was like paying my bills, doing freelance producing. I felt like my projects were growing. And then this thing just like fell into my lap. I mean, it was really crazy. Yeah. He's just like, oh yeah, by the way, I work for Oprah. This is nothing. Like, I mean, wait, what? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in and talked to the digital team and he and I talked a little bit more and I mean, you know, since he ran the department, he could pretty much just decide to do that. So I came in as a consultant for about six months and helped them test out um, a few different creatives and build out a strategy for how they were going to approach digital originals on, on her digital platform. And after we did casting and came up with a concept and shot pilots and had to present them to Oprah... I was like, okay, great. Somebody should take this on now because I'm ready to move on to my next project. Like I'd like to make another film and I have some other things in the works. And well, actually nobody internally is going to do this. So how about you do it? And he's like, could you be the vice president of digital originals here? So I was like, what? Sure. Like if you really want me to. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I always say that I had a job at Oprah that I uh, never applied for, which is true. <laughs> Very and true. I was there. Yeah, I was there for about two and a half years. I ended up directing over a thousand videos, and it really was that time that I was like, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing." Yay! So you can see how at the beginning of the story I said, "Oh, I have a long and windy path." I mean, I don't think it gets more long and windy than what I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's very direct, right? Because like the path to get there was no other way. Like you had to 
go through all this, eventually live in Paris for six months. Uh, I mean, eventually. <laughs> like, geez, I mean, duh. <laughs> There's no other way. But if I look in my rearview mirror, I see how each experience sort of built on the one before and I did get closer and closer to what I wanted to do. But I mean, the big thing for me and the thing that I kind of want to say to all women is that we are our own worst enemies. Yes. Like I, it took me, it took me that long to realize that I wanted to direct because I, and even though I was directing all those videos, the whole time I was at own, I never told anybody that I was a director because I didn't believe I was one Mm. because I didn't go to film school and I, that wasn't my path from the start. And how could I possibly have the technical skills to do it? And it was finally at the end of the time that was like, no, I am a director. Like I make all the decisions and I'm the one that's helming the team and I have the creative vision. But it was the only person that was stopping me from directing was myself because I didn't want to say out loud, I am a director. I was so worried that people wouldn't think that I had the skill. When yeah, they reality, would judge just, because you didn't have yeah. something. But really it was me judging myself. So once I got over that, I realized I needed to go my own way. So I um, very graciously resigned from my job. I I love everybody at OWN. They all wish me the most luck and are still super supportive of my projects now. Um, And I left there and started my own production company. And that was six years ago now. Yay! And oh my God, her production company, pew, 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 amazing! Um, Thank you. Love it. And like... no, go ahead. I'm I've so worked sorry. on some amazing, amazing projects over the last six years, just things that are beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I just directed a really wonderful piece of content for Melinda Gates for her gender equality book. Ooh. I do a ton of work with State Farm around empowering women around their finances. I mean, all of my projects are very female-centric about elevating women from all ages and races and diverse backgrounds and telling their stories. And I just, I feel honored every time I get to sit somebody down in front of my camera and hear their story and, and amplify it in a way that wouldn't otherwise be possible. Yeah. And I mean, you have the opportunity to give people the microphone, quote unquote, that normally they wouldn't, right? Like the ability to help tell other people's stories that wouldn't be able to do it elsewhere. Like that is so so dope like how amazing <laughs> like I, I'm just like in awe of you and the way you're able to take their thoughts their beliefs their stories and put it to you know film is amazing so how do you how do you like actually go about that like what's the process that you usually go through when you're directing I don't know if that's even a real question <laughs> It kind of depends on the, you know, it depends on the project and it depends on who my partners are on it. Uh, A lot of times I'm working with brands. So it means they come to the table with goals and objectives for the project. Sometimes the creative is more spelled out than others. And I'm okay with sort of all the ways. It's really fun to work directly with clients when I get to speak to them from the get-go where they just come to the table with a goal and objective and we get to decide together how that's going to creatively unfold. But I'm just as happy for them to come to the table with a fully fleshed out project because I still get to add my little flares and amplify it in a way that they didn't even know was possible. So I especially love speaking with real women 
a lot of the projects I do are kind of the documentary style where I get to talk to real people in, in their own environment where they feel the most comfortable and kind of seek out that story. Mm -hmm. I usually have guardrails uh, presented by the brand about kind of what they're looking for in terms of the brand storytelling and how we can marry that with somebody's personal story. But I always try to be as authentic as possible. And, and to date, I've only had wonderful clients that have agreed with that. Oh. It really, it doesn't do any brand a service to, you know, jam their brand story in the midst of somebody else's personal story if it's not an organic fit. Yeah, it's kind of like overkill. I think I saw a TV show that did it. It was like it put like 30 brands in like five minutes and it was like, I don't even know what I just watched. I don't. Yeah, I think my best example is like the age old, like American Idol and the, you know, the Starbucks or the Coke that used to be yeah. like right on the table. Like, you don't, you don't want your brand to just look like a sticker that got stuck in as an afterthought. It's the more it can really organically unfold to the point where people don't even really feel like it's there, but they walk away knowing that your brand is supportive of this beautiful story, I think is more powerful in, in today's environment. Wow. So I know everybody's going to ask this question. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be the first to ask on this show. Um, what is Oprah like? (laughs) (laughs) And like, honestly, what were your, what was like your first conversation with her? (laughs) Uh, Well, I have a very funny story about our meeting and she, she's wonderful. I mean, she's a businesswoman through and through. She demands perfection and she has a very well-oiled machine, but uh, she is so open to all the new technologies, which is amazing. Um, she definitely will let you know if she doesn't know what you're talking about and you need to kind of walk her through it. Mm-hmm. But when the first time I met her, I didn't meet her very many times, but the first time I met her is when I was presenting the digital web series that we had um, crafted to bring to life. So we were showing her the pilot. We created a civil tape and walked her through kind of the business scenario of why it would be a good idea to have a, an original web series online under the own, you know, headline heading. Mm. And, um, and so we were going and, and everything is very well orchestrated, let's just say. So we had plenty of rehearsals before we did this meeting and everybody had knew what their parts were and knew when they were supposed to speak. So we're in the actual meeting and uh, the, one of the presidents was introducing the room. And when he got to me, he introduced me as Karen, which is my mother's name. Yeah, and, and totally not mom. yours. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I'm meeting Oprah and I don't really want to sit through this hour long meeting with her thinking my name is Karen. So I had to politely interject. Actually, my name is Karis. And before the meeting, I was obviously pretty nervous and I talked to one of my longtime mentors who also worked there. It's so funny. She worked with me at CBS Radio and then again at at, um, at OWN, which was unbeknownst to me when I even took the original consulting job. Oh, wow. And so before I said, well, what do I need to know going into this meeting? And she said, she's a real person. Just look her in the eye and have a conversation. And so when this thing happened with my name, I just looked across the table and I looked right at her and said, actually, my name is Kiris. And she said, what? <laughs> I said, my name is Kiris. I said, how do you spell that? And so I spelled it K-E-R-I-T-H. And she said, okay, Kiris. 
And then we went on through the meeting and we had to talk her through the thing. And she was like, okay, I get it. I, I see why we would do this. Let's go for it. And, you know, we went on our merry way and we were in Chicago at the time and they were having the Harpo Christmas party and we aren't part of Harpo. So we didn't think that we were to go. And then the last minute we got a direct invite that we all needed to go to the Harpo party. So Ooh. we'll go with my boss and we go to the Christmas party and, you know, there's a bazillion employees there. So we're just one of a million that are in this room. And um, she gave a Christmas speech and everybody got, uh, you know, a, a Christmas gift card. And and once we went through all the festivities, my boss was like, okay, let's, we still have some stuff to deal with tomorrow. Let's go down the street and grab a bite to eat where we can just talk through things a little bit more. And so we walked out front and we were trying to figure out where we were going to go. And all of a sudden I feel this like hand like bump on my shoulder. <laughs> And I look over and it's Oprah and she said, Kara. And she points right at me and then she goes and gets in her black limo. <laughs> oh my God. How cool is that? It's pretty amazing. She knows you. So, I mean, I have to imagine that, you know, Oprah has a very unusual name and then there's been a lot of interviews where she's talked about how a lot of people don't know how to spell it or say it for a long time, that that was a, a thing for her. So I can only imagine if somebody with an equally weird name <laughs> comes in that she she made a, a nice point of getting it right. I'm here I for that. Yay, Oprah! Pew, pew! Yay! <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, you and for, I, yeah, for doing that, for standing up for your <laughs> yourself, you know, like being Thank a boss, because I've been there that's where people important. call me Reenie and I'm like, I just don't feel like it today. Right, that's not it. <laughs> Get it right. Yeah, it's not today. Yeah, definitely. and they've been so amazing and supportive of me. I just finished a project with them actually uh, right before the new year for her tour that she just did. Oh. Um, that Penn City tour that she did. I produced some branded content for one of their sponsors. Oh. It's been really fun. Wow. And it's like once you're in the Oprah family or the own family, it's like you never leave. It's like you'll probably continue working and partnering with them for forever. Well, that's another kind of life lesson that I feel like, you know, gets a little lost these days. Like my my things I always tell young people are like, don't don't forget about the informational interview. Like that is a big part of mm -hmm. why I got to where I am because in an informational interview, you're able to ask somebody about their story and how they got to where they were and in a much more relaxed setting and you're not bludgeoning them with a, can I have a job question? So they're much more likely to share information with you. That's one thing. And then yeah. the, the other thing is, now I've forgotten what I was going to tell you. That's a terrible thing. All right, you'll have to edit that out right next <laughs> <laughs> actually we're gonna keep it in because this is real because you are so real and like so just unapologetically you and like just from the oprah story to now like it, it's consistently like you're who you are you know like no get my name right nope i don't remember whatever let's move on like i love that about you <laughs> i'll come up with another life lesson for y'all in a second <laughs> um you gave us about 20 gems already just in your background story <laughs> Your life story you. should be a novel. Maybe you should direct oh, your life story. You. I mean, I could be like starring the girl at the bar where you're in Paris, like having this aha moment to go to New Mexico. Like I, that's what I, I see me. It. I'll be in the background just like sipping rosé. <laughs> okay, I will write you that. That's so funny. My best friend and I, we always said that when I was way, way younger that, you know, that I would be writing a book my whole life. And so every time I call him and tell him something has happened or some big change, he's like, 
man, this next chapter is going to be a good one. <laughs> I know, right? Have you thought about the titles of your chapters yet? Because it can't just be Paris, like as a title, the chapter. Well, the one, the one that like really stuck out to me is like, as it was unfolding, I could already, I could just see the chapter heading like the day I quit Oprah. That's, <gasps> I mean, that one's clear as day to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's sort of like jaw dropping, like you quit Oprah? She lets people quit? Like, yeah. <laughs> Definitely got that from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what are you- to go and start your own production company which is like you know not really a high success rate but you're doing it and been successful for several years like how dope is that thank you I am very proud of what I've created I am very proud to have gender parity on almost all of my sets that's super important to me um I feel like every project I have I can help move the needle a little bit for other women and especially other young women that are interested in working in, in the industry um, I'm part of a really cool organization that started out call, being called Free the Bid. And mm. they specifically, um, it was a nonprofit organization founded by Alma Harrell, who's a prolific commercial and music video director. And she saw a real need for more women to be able to direct commercials and have the opportunity to direct commercials. So yeah. in the advertising industry, they use a process of hiring called the triple bid where they get three bids from three production companies, which in each production company presents a director. And so women were not being presented because obviously the production companies would want to present, you know, directors that had a wealth of experience. And so there was, and they wanted to win the bid. And so there was never any room to present sort of a junior director that maybe didn't have that experience, which is usually the women because Mm -hmm. they were, it's like the never ending cycle. If they're not getting presented, they're not getting more work to put on the reels. And so therefore, why would they ever get presented? And so the, the whole premise of this organization was to get the large advertising agency, and this has now trickled down to smaller agencies, production companies, and now they're doing a version of this called Free the Work in Hollywood, hmm. where in any triple bid situation, anybody that takes this pledge has to accept one of the bids that comes their way has to have a female director attached. And by doing that, they've been already able to go up the ante on, on the percentages up the ante on how many women are even getting seen. Um, It's really quite tremendous. I was just looking at their website and they just have some ridiculous statistics. So when they started, like for example, HP prior to November, 2016, when they took the pledge, 0% of their commercial films were directed by women. And after 18 months, 59% of their 53 commercial films were directed by women. That's huge. Yeah. And it just makes sense because that's why there's so many like cultural biases and gender biases that are being pushed forward. Because if you only have a singular type of person that is directing all the content, of course, you're not seeing any change. Yeah. And so it's biased and stereotype then. Absolutely. And so now Free the Work represents not only women, but all underrepresented uh, minorities in the entertainment realm. So that's that's everybody from directors to editors to cinematographers to below the line crew to, I mean, just they're really pushing the boundaries on on who they're representing and all of the different um, job positions that they're representing, which is leading to such needed change. Wow. I, 
I'm thankful for people like you and organizations like that because we definitely need to make sure that everyone's represented. You know, we we have different creative juices and when we are all at the table, we can put those creative juices together, make some great frozen drinks. (laughs) 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 So yeah, thank you for your work in that. So I I like to ask this question because it makes sense for, you know, we are talking people's different industries, how they got started, all that. What are like two things someone can do that wants to sort of like follow your footsteps and become a director as well? Two things. Well, it kind of depends on what stage you are in your career. But I mean, I would really go, I would really say, first of all, do all of your research, like watch content. See what directors you like their style. See what directors, you know, interest you. See what kind of content interests you. And start to look at their backgrounds and paths to their directing platform because everybody has a different path. There is no one way to do this. Yeah. I mean, there is the way that everybody thinks it's done, which is go to film school and you come out and you PA and maybe you assist for a bigger director, blah, blah, blah. That just doesn't, with the advent of technology, Everybody can be a director, honestly. It just depends on what level of production you want to do. Mm. So I would say do your research, consume as much content as possible, and then next go make something. Because of technology, it is possible to make something. And the first thing you make might not be amazing. And that is fine. But you know what? You did it. You made something from beginning to end. And then you can go on to make something that is better the next time. But I think so many people are really daunted by perfection and so you know don't let perfect be the enemy of the good when i left own nobody would believe me that when i said that i directed a thousand videos when i was there because i had a vice president title and why would an executive be directing content right so the first thing i did was wrote and directed a short film i made a short film about social media called the social life it's eight minutes long everybody told me that it's a story that was kind of meh and they didn't really see it going very far. We went to over 15 festivals. It's up online. It has almost 4 million views. And, you know, you just got to follow your heart and follow the story that is true to you. And at that time, that was an important story to me. Social media and identity was really interesting and I was struggling with it myself. And that was the way for me to express that. I love that. I mean, but like, that makes sense. Everything is not going to be great the first time you do it. And accepting the fact that, hey, at least you tried and you you completed it. So now you know how to improve it. And from there, you know, there's growth. Like, I love that. Yay. Exactly. Wow. Karen, you just dropped so many gems on this episode. I feel like everyone wants you to come back because I definitely want you to come back. <laughs> because Well, I'll come back anytime. Yay! Well, before Next we go. Hopefully we'll be able to be in person. <laughs> yes, because like I'm praying that we can go outside soon. I'm so like needing to feel people in bars and restaurants and I just miss it. I miss a happy hour with people. I do. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, but before we go, wanted to ask you, which I ask everybody, what is your favorite rosé? Well, it's funny that you asked me that because I've never met a rosé from France that I don't like. I like a dry, minerally, very light colored rosé. So I don't know that I really have a favorite brand. It's more of like the region. Anything from the south of France, 
I will drink. It is my style. Um, I am very spoiled in that my brother, Kevin Lemon, is a sommelier. So I pretty much, if I'm out anywhere, just text him a picture of the menu and ask him what I should drink. Um, so I, um, I'm a little challenged when it comes to like name dropping. <laughs> because <laughs> I just say, I just drink what Kevin told me. Um, so my funny part of this story is that when we were going to do this, I went to look in our little wine fridge and see what I had on hand. And we literally just drank our last, like really my favorite bottle of rosé that I can't remember the name of. And so the only two things in my wine fridge is one is a bottle of rosé that uh, I used in that movie, A Social Life from 2013. Oh, and wow. so I was not going to open that today. Right. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did have a bottle of, 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 of a, a rosé brut bubbly. So... I popped that one open and I'm sipping on that. It's called the Cremant de Limoux and it is uh, very dry. And interesting fun fact that was provided by my brother is that the wine from Limoux was the only sparkling wine found in Thomas Jefferson's cellar. What? Thomas yeah. Jefferson had so, a cellar? Oh yeah. There's, so, there's like a million and one Thomas Jefferson wine stories. this is why your brother has to come on the show too yeah definitely so kevin (laughs) this is your formal invitation can't wait (laughs) love it love it oh my gosh well Kara, this has been so much fun. I really miss seeing you face to face. And I hope that you are quarantining, socially distancing well. And I'm just one so thankful again that you gave us some time to talk about your story and, you know, empowering some peoples out there over some rosé. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be so long winded. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, anytime you talk, I'm here to listen. Oh, you're the best for Oh, thanks, Kareth. Well, thanks for being on the show. Cheers. Cheers. Everybody drink rose. Rose. So sip rose. That was so dope. Oh my God, Kareth. That was a great interview. We really, really learned so many things. And you got to go to Paris. Realign, get things together for your next steps. It was like all like perfect serendipity, if you will. Want to thank Kareth, Brittany for being on the show today. We really appreciate that, and all the rose as well. Pew 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 pew. Also, want to just let people know: don't forget us on Thursdays for our virtual happy hour on IGTV. As well as on Sundays, our Soulful Sunday series, where we have some tarot card readings. We listen to some good R&B, some good music to get our souls together. And also so we know what day of the week it is, because this social distancing thing is difficult. Don't forget, join us every Wednesday for a new episode. We always have great guests. Can't thank them enough for all that they do and sharing their stories with us. Follow us on all social media platforms at the Rosé Hour Podcast. And check out our newly launched website. Pew, pew. It's www.therosehourpodcast.com <laughs> Additionally, 
Thanks to bartender Ben for pouring it up. Sound engineers. And of course, you for tuning in. We appreciate you being here with us on Wednesdays. And of course, like always, don't forget, donate to, you know, people in the service industry during this time. Um, Thank a nurse, thank a doctor for all they're doing. Stay quarantined. Social distancing is real. Let's flatten that curve. And keep drinking rosé because rosé makes the day. Pew, pew. Until next time, friends. Sip, sip, hooray.